0: so very thankful for that. How many of you know that God is not a feeling? You need to understand that. He's much more than a feeling. He's the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient creator of the universe. He's more than a feeling, but I'm thankful this morning you can sense and become aware of his presence in you, around you, and um, that's such a blessing. My goodness. Thank you, brother. Thank you, worship team. Thank all of you, man. What a great time we've already had in the house of the Lord this morning. Just last week, I was flipping through the channels, and um, I flipped across one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm a movie buff. I love movies, and uh, this is one of my favorite. I-, I saw Forrest Gump playing on one of the channels that I would flipped across, and that's one of those for me that whenever I see it, even though I've seen it a thousand times, it'll, it'll suck me right in. You know, and I'll at least have to watch a little of it. And when I flipped it over there, um, I heard a quote that I want to use this morning. The quote was this I love New Year's. It's almost like you get a chance to start all over. And how do you know there's a lot of truth in that? I mean, there really is. New Year becomes at least a point of reference where we can say, okay, from this moment on, I'm going to be better in the upcoming year in whatever area we're talking about, than I was in the previous year. And we call that New Year's resolutions. And sometimes uh, we make New Year resolutions about all kinds of different things in our life. And folks, I want you to know, that's not a bad thing. That, that's really a, a good thing, because we want to improve who we are. We want to be what God wants us to be, and therefore do what God has saved us to do, and called us to do. Can you say it and so that's a, that's a good thing. We we do it in, like I said, many different areas. Sometimes it's it's spiritually we want, and that should always be the case, not just on New Year, but every day. But sometimes we'll say, well, I'm going to do certain things in this year better than I did last year. I've actually had some people come and tell me, Brother Israel, I'm planning on reading through the Bible this year. I, I've made it my New Year's resolution to go all the way through the Word of God, and I say, praise the Lord for that. I, that's fantastic. You know what the Bible promises? That we, as we go line upon line, precept upon precept, we grow here a little, there a little, from glory to glory. That means when you get a hold of the truth of the word of God and you start applying that to your life, then you're going to grow to become what Jesus has saved you to become. The, The scripture tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians that we are to desire the sincere milk of the word that we might grow thereby. And so I'm thankful if you've got the New Year's resolution to to do better about studying the Word of God daily than you did last year, praise God for that. Man, hang in there. Get get disciplined and start doing that on a day-to-day basis, and I can promise you, I'll promise you this, you will not regret it. You won't. Some people say, well, brothers, I'm going to be a a stronger prayer warrior this year. I'm going to grow stronger in my prayer life. Praise God for that. Listen what? Um, Dr. Uh, Billy Graham said, and I love this, and the, the great evangelist, he said prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance to give us what we want. Prayer is realizing God's willingness to give us what we truly need. Let that roll around upstairs just a little bit. It is through prayer God gives us what we truly need. And the Bible says we have not because we ask not. You need to understand the only thing that's outside the realm of prayer is that which is outside the will of God and I'm fine with that because if it's outside the will of God, I don't want it or don't need it anyway. I mean, I don't really want it. I may think I want it. But God knows what I need. So praise God, man, get discipline in your prayer life. Let me encourage you. Every day we're going to pray right here again this year starting at 9 o'clock in the morning. Set your cell phone, set your smart watch, set something to let you know it's 9 o'clock, and then pray and ask God to do what only God can do right here in this fellowship of believers. Now you can pray at 9, you can pray at 8, you can pray at 7.30, you can pray at 2.30 in the morning. Can you say amen? I've done that a lot of times. You can pray at all times. I'm just trying to get us some discipline in our prayer life that we're going to pray at nine for this ministry right here at Mount Zion one for another. So get disciplined in your prayer life and grow to be prayer warriors. Some say, well, brother, I'm going to be better physically this year than I was last year. And that's great. You know what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 8? That bodily exercise profiteth little. Now, a lot of people use that verse to really put down bodily exercise. but that's really not what Paul is saying. He's just trying to get us to understand we need to keep the right perspective. Look at this. For bodily exercise profit a little but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. What Paul is saying is that bodily exercise does profit, but it doesn't profit as much as spiritual exercise. You can be physically fit and still be miserable. You can be as healthy as a horse and still be on your way to a devil's hell. So so what he's saying is, listen, make sure that you've got the right perspective, that first and foremost you're growing in the spiritual things, but then, hey, if you want to exercise and eat right and and do the things that's going to make you be better physically, praise God for that. You know what? You are the temple of God. And, And I don't know about you, I don't just want quantity of life. I want quality of life. And the better shape we are in, that breaks us better quality of life in a lot of ways. So there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people say, I want to be better in my relationships. I want to be a better husband, a better father, a better wife, a better mother. I want to be a better grandmother, grandfather. I want to be better, a, f- a better friend. Well, praise God for that. The scripture says in the book of Proverbs, so he who wants friends, he must first show himself friendly. So go be a good friend. Go be a shoulder to cry on. Go, go be somebody that will encourage others. Go be a good witness, living out your faith and sharing with your lips. The truth of the gospel. Go do that. All of that's a good things. What's been amazing to me is that there are, there's a lot of people who are, it's like they're mad at resolutions. And they're mad at anybody who's trying to do New Year's resolutions. I was talking with a group of men just last week and uh, we were talking about New Year's resolutions and what we want to be better at this upcoming year and one of the men stood up and he says this, he says, well I'll tell you this, I'm just going to be me. And if you don't like me, I guess you'll just have to get over it. I'm going to tell you something, brother. That, that brother, bless, bless your heart right there. You hear me? Now, you know he's a joy to be married to. I, I'm reminded of one of my favorite comedians, Mr. Tim Hawkins. Tim Hawkins said something that I love. He said that he wished he had the superpower of being able to cause bees to come from his hand anytime, time. So that when someone says like that, he can just go, bees. I'm just gonna be me, and if you don't like me, I guess you'll just have to get over it, beast. Now, I don't think that's theologically correct. Matter of fact, I know it's not. It's not biblically correct, but I understand where the brother's coming from, don't you? And don't get me wrong. Now, listen, God made you to be you, but what He wants is you full of Jesus. The best you you can be is you full of Jesus and the best me I can be is me full of Jesus and none of us have come to the place where we've arrived and we've got enough Jesus we don't need any more. John the Baptist said this. John said, I must decrease so that he must increase. You know what John was saying? I need more Jesus and less John. You know what I need? More Jesus and less Israel. You know what you need? More Jesus and less you. None of us have arrived. We've all still got growing room. How arrogant is that statement? I'm just going to be me, and if you can't get along with me, I guess you need to change. Really what they're saying is, I've got it all figured out. I've arrived. I'm a cut above. I'm on a different plane than everybody else. Now you've got to come to where I am. No. How prideful. How arrogant. How stupid. Folks, we've all got room for growth. If you were finished growing, you'd already be in heaven, child of God. Whether I'm standing in the pulpit or sitting in the pew, we can all grow this upcoming year, and we should. Listen to me, we are on the edge of the blessing. Of a new beginning. Can you say amen? We started this last week, and that's exactly where the children of God were. They were on the edge of the blessing of a new beginning they had come from egypt and now they were on their way to the promised land and they got to the place called Kadesh barnea and when they got there god was ready to bring them into the promised land as a matter of fact the pillar of cloud that was leading them in the daytime and the pillar of fire that was leading them at night had already went into the promised land and so what god was saying is come on i'm ready to give you exactly what i've promised I'm ready to fulfill my end of the bargain. I brought you out from bondage so that I might bring you in to blessing. I brought you out of the place of slavery so that I might bring you into the place of sonship. Can you say amen? I'm going to do something for you that only I can do, and I'm ready to do it. You come on and follow me. They were on the edge of the blessing of a new beginning and they missed it and it's so sad. This morning, I want us to learn from their mistakes. This morning, I want us to see the example that God gives us in the Word of God and apply this truth to our life. How do we grow to be what God wants us to be in this upcoming new year? Well, the Bible tells us right here in Numbers chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, please turn over there with me and we're going to continue where we left off, Numbers 13. And we're going to start this morning all the way down in numbers 1325 all right now folks i'm not going to read all of this to you we don't have time to do that you don't listen fast enough amen we'll be here all day so so i'm not going i'm not going to do that what well, what i'm going to do is just hit the high points. But I want you to come back yourself in your personal quiet time with the Lord and, sh- and look at what God has for you. But there's certain things that we must see. First of all, I want you to see Caleb's challenge. Now, the Bible says, Numbers 13, 25, and they return returned from searching the land after 40 days. Let me catch you up on what's happened. They get to the place called Kadesh Barnea, It's right on the edge of the promised land. And, and-, and listen to what uh, Moses does. He sends out 12 spies out into Canaan land. And these 12 spies, the Bible says in verse 25, return giving news of what they found. And what they found was exactly what God promised. Look at verse number 26. Watch this. Verse 26 says, And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron, and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, under the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, unto all the congregation, and showed them... Everybody say the fruit of the land. The fruit of the land. This is a land flowing with milk and honey. This is a land that is fruitful. Listen, fruit represents life. This is the abundant life that God has promised to all who follow him. That's what the promised land represents. Folks, how many of you know Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and life more abundant. What he's saying is, for the people of God who have trusted by faith in Christ, he has made a promise to give you Life abundant. Praise God for the sweet by and by. Heaven is sealed and secure, not because of who I am and what I've done, but because of who Christ is and what he's done. But I'm thankful God didn't save me just to get me to heaven. God saved me, listen to me now, so that I might really make a difference in the world I live in now so that I might have the life now that He's gifted me with. See, salvation is much more about getting man out of earth and into heaven. Salvation is also about getting God out of heaven and into man. Now I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me, and He dwells in me in the person of the Holy Spirit. And I can, and you can, if you're a child of God, walk in His abundance. You can walk in the land flowing With milk and honey. And that's what this represents for each and every one of us. Now watch what happens. Verse number 27. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. So they brought back evidence. They said, man, it's just what God said it was going to be. How many of you this morning are thankful we can trust in God's promises? Don't miss this. Quit listening to people who cause you to doubt the validity of the Word of God. Are you hearing me? Don't you do it. God's Word is truth. God's Word is life. I'm telling you. The Bible has stood the test of time And proved over and over and over and over and over again exactly what it is. You do not need to be ashamed for trusting in the precious truth you find on the pages of your Bible. God's promises remain. God said this is what the land's going to be and guess what? That's exactly what it was. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. And they said, hey, here's the evidence. Look at verse 28. Watch what it says. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwells in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Now, let's get a hold of this. What is Caleb's challenge? Because... We know that um, the 12 spies that were sent out, 10 of them came back saying, hey, we can't do this. There's no way we're going to be able to go in and take the land. There's no way that we're going to be able to go in and possess that which God has given us because of the people that are in the land, because of all that's stacked against us. And Caleb keeps telling them, look down at verse number um, 31. Caleb says this but the men went up with him and said be not we be not able to go against the people for they are stronger than we that's the people's response listen to what Caleb said in verse number uh, 28 excuse me, or excuse me, verse number 30. And Caleb stealed the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. So Caleb and Joshua come back and they say, hey, guess what? We can go in and take what God has promised. It's there for us. It's exactly like God said. Man, it's fantastic. Let's go get what's ours. And some of the people challenged Caleb because they didn't believe God. Now, What does this mean for us? You understand, <laughs> you understand that according to the book of 1 Corinthians, all of these stories and people in the Old Testament are examples for us. If you believe it, say amen today. We, we looked at that last week. They can be good examples or bad examples. Let me give you some good examples. First of all, we have Joshua and Caleb. Joshua, Yeshua, in the Hebrew, is the same word for Jesus, which is Greek. So what does that mean? Joshua in the Old Testament is a picture of Christ. Caleb is a picture of you, child of God. Caleb should be a picture of me. We can be like Caleb. But there's a choice we've got to make. Now, Caleb was challenged. There's no doubt about it. Go back up to verse 26. First of all, these folks that, that they're speaking about, they were strongly fortified. Look what it says. When they came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation the children of Israel, on the wilderness of Paran, to Gadish, and brought back word to them and to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land, verse 27. And they told him and said, We came into the land hither that thou sent us, and it surely flows with milk and honey, that is the fruit of it. Then he says, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled. They were strongly fortified. You got to remember, these are nothing but a ragtag bunch of slaves that just left Egypt and went through the wilderness, and they've been out there a long time. They're, they're not uh, skilled in the art of war. They're, they're not going to be able to go in and fight against these fortified cities in their own power. That they, they realized these people that were in Canaan land were strongly fortified. But not only were they strongly fortified and, and listen, very well trained, they were also uh, strong in size. The Bible says that they were very great. The more we saw the children of Anak there. They were strong in size because the children of Anak were actually a giant race. Do you know that? The, The Scripture teaches us of one giant that was there. His name was Og of Bashan. Now, any of you parents who are looking for a name for your children, maybe you want to think about Og of Bashan. (laughs) I don't know. But that's a name, isn't it? Og of Bashan. Anyway, Og of Bashan, the Bible says his bed was 14 feet long and 6 feet wide. That's a big dude. Every NBA team would have drafted Og of Bashan. Wouldn't you agree? Every one of them. And he wasn't the only one there. The Bible says the children of Anak were there. They were strong in size, but they were also strong in number. There were many of them. Not just the giant clan that was there, but look at verse number 29. Watch what it says. And, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, and the bites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the Solomites. They're all in the land. I mean, there's a bunch of them. And the Amalekites, if you go back and study, were a very well-trained, fortified, weaponized army. I mean, they knew what they were doing. And just for, um, for, for future reference, you need to understand that the Amalekites represent the flesh. That sinful nature that always comes against us and tries to, tries to cause us to doubt who God is and what God said and what God wants and what God can do. We'll get into that later. But they were all there, all these people. They were strong, strongly fortified. Listen, they were strong in size. They were strong in number. It was a strong group. And the people got very afraid of this. Look at verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Verse 31 But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. You know what Caleb wanted to do? Bees. Bees to you and bees to you and bees to you and bees to all ten of you. Why? Because they were influencing others to doubt what God could do. I like being around faith people, don't you? Now, I've already told you, my faith is not a leap in the dark. It's not. My faith is based upon rock-solid evidence of who God is and what God has done through the person of his son. Are you hearing me? And I want you to know if you don't have that faith this morning, there's hope for you. And I'm not mad at you. There's hope for the honest doubter. There is. But you've got to be honest. You've got to be honest. Most people who doubt God and turn from God and are atheistic in their beliefs or agnostic in their beliefs, whatever the case may be. Most people who do that don't want to find God. They don't want to find God any more than a thief wants to find a policeman. Why? Because if you recognize a supreme authority, a sovereign God, then you've got to recognize you ain't sovereign. You're not God. If you recognize the supreme authority of who God is, then you've got to recognize the truth of His Word. If you recognize the truth of His Word, you're going to see that you are far from Him. When you see that you are far from Him, you're going to see that you are a sinner. You've broken God's law, that you need a Savior. And so the problem with a lot of people is not faith. The problem is sin. The sin of a prideful heart and the sin which they enjoy and don't want to give up. Are you hearing me? But I like being around people of faith because guess what? Ultimately, you must place faith in who God is and what God has said. And listen to me. You can't tear out the pieces you don't like. Are you hearing me? See, let me tell you what I believe. I believe the same God who told me the truth in Genesis told me the truth in John. Same God. The same God who told me the truth in Psalms told me the truth in Galatians. Same God. How do I know it's the same God? Because it's one long story from Genesis to Revelation of the redemption of mankind written by many authors over thousands of years. And all of it coherently, perfectly comes together just like it needs to. You say, brother, is that a big deal? That's a huge deal. Let me tell you how I know that. Just the other day, I looked back at some of my messages that I preached when I first started preaching. And I about decided somebody should have put some bees on me. See, that's the problem with the bees. Sometimes I need to put some bees on myself. So I'm just saying what I was thinking and saying then changed the whole lot from what I think and say now. Why? Because there's growth. See, my writings from years ago don't really coherently line up with the message that I've got right now. Totally. Now the, the main parts do. Are you getting what I'm saying? I'm just telling you, that's with one man over a span of, I've been preaching now 22 years, so from 22 years ago to now, my own writings don't match one another. With the Bible, you've got writings that started 6,000 years ago, written by kings and peasants, shepherds, all the way up to the book of Revelation who was written by a fisherman and all of it matches the redemptive plan of what God promised would happen all the way back in the beginning. Are you hearing me? Faith. Faith. Without it, it's impossible to please God. The problem with the, what's happening right here is that there were people who chose to disobey and not do what God wanted because of a lack of faith. That was Caleb's challenge. They looked at the people that were strongly fortified. They looked at the people that were strong in size. They looked at the people that were strong in them they said, we can't do that. And guess what? They were right. They were right. But look what Caleb says. Flip on down to Numbers 14 down to verse number 6. Now I don't really want you to see Caleb's challenge, but I also want you to see Caleb's courage, where it comes from. Numbers 14, verse number 6, And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. Now to rent your clothes in biblical times means that it was a sign of mourning. They were mourning because the people didn't want to follow God. They were mourning because the people didn't want to go in and claim what was theirs. They were mourning because the people stood in rebellion. They were mourning because Because they were going to miss out on God's best. And look what happens. Verse number seven. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we press through to search it is an exceedingly good land. Verse eight. And the Lord delighted in us that he will bring us unto this land and give it to us. So who's going to give them the land? Where Where does Caleb's courage come from? the Lord. Caleb's not saying we can go in and do this. Caleb is saying the same God who brought us out of Egypt, the same God who brought us fresh water in the desert, the same God who rained down manna, the same God who's brought us all this way is going to keep bringing us to the place he wants us to get to. We just sang a moment ago about I see the evidence of the goodness of God all over my life. You know what I think Caleb is saying? I look back and I see where God brought us from and I see the evidence of how God brought us every step of the way. The same God who did it before will do it again. We can't do it, but God can do it. Caleb had the right perspective. And you've got to get the right perspective. I've got to get the right perspective. Listen, the other 10 and the people that followed them they were looking at the giants and saying they're too big, we can't hit them. And Caleb looked at the giant and he said they're too, spot, they're too uh, big, we can't miss them. Are you getting me? It's all in how you see it. See, Caleb understood something that we all need to know. I've, I've been taking flying lessons and, and I've noticed how different things look from the air. And I want to tell you something. From 3,000 feet up whether it's a 3,000 square, square foot home or a 30,000 square foot home, from 3,000 feet up, you can't tell no difference. When you've got a higher perspective, size don't really matter. How many of you know, the, the, the people said, we're like grasshoppers before these giants in Numbers 13, that last verse. <laughs> They're giants and we're grasshoppers. How many know from God's perspective, there are no giants and there are no grasshoppers? Why? He's sitting way up here. And so what Caleb is saying is, listen, they may be too big for us, but they're not too big for our God. Not only do you need to get get a hold of Caleb's perspective and get that same perspective, But you also got to realize something else. Caleb held on to the promise of God. Look down at verse number nine. Watch what it says. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. What Caleb is saying is, they're not going to be any problem. They're like a bunch of milk toast. We're fixing to go in and take what God has given, not by our power, but by the power of God. Caleb was holding on like a bulldog to the promise of God. Now, what has God promised us? Well, God's promised that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Can you say amen? Now, there's going to be some tough times in 2023. There may be some tough times individually in your own personal life. There may be some tough times collectively as a church body. We're about to enter into a building program. If there's ever been a time when Satan can get his foot in the door, it's in a building program. Let me tell you why. Because people get selfish. And they forget about the importance of what's going on. Are you hearing me? How I many you oh, know? Listen to me now. Color of carpet and walls and everything else don't make a hill of beans if it's going to cause dissent among the brethren. Quit focusing on that stuff that don't even matter. Now what we do need to do is do what's necessary so that we can have the facilities we need to take care of the people we got and going to have. Right? Right? We've prayed about that, we've thought about that, we've sought the Lord about that, and we feel like we've got his answer, so let's move forward in it by faith. But there may be some hard times. I'm holding fast to what God has said. He'll never leave us, nor forsake us. This upcoming year, individually in your life, you may be going through some physical troubles. He'll never leave you, nor forsake you. You may be going through some financial troubles. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. That's another promise. The Bible says that he is our Jehovah Rapha, our healer. He is our prince of peace. That means regardless of what we're going through, we can still understand the peace that passes all understanding. For listen to me, Jesus has not changed. I'm not one of the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it kind of guys. I'm telling you, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that everything's going to be hunky-dory and hallelujah in 2023. I'm saying our God is so big, even though the giants may be large to us, they're small to him. Get the right perspective. Hold on to God's promise. Amen? You need to see. First of all, Caleb's challenge and Caleb's courage But now, I also want this morning for us to see a little bit on further into Scripture, Caleb's conquest. Take your Bibles and turn to Joshua. chapter number 14. And brother, if you will, please put for me verse number 6 up there. Joshua 14. Verse number 6. Fast forward to when the nation of Israel finally came into the promised land. And now Joshua... The leader of the people, which actually represents the Lord Jesus, I believe, to us. Joshua says something, or is now handing out the land, and Caleb says this. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee, in Kadesh Barnea. I love this. This is a long time after Kadesh Barnea. If if you don't know, you students of Scripture know that after they left Kadesh Barnea, they spent another 40 years in the wilderness. To everybody who doubted what God was wanting to do died. All of them died in the wilderness. And the only ones who actually came into the land, guess who it was? Joshua and Caleb. All them other people missed out on what God had for them. But Joshua and Caleb entered the land. So now fast forward to at least 40 years later. I don't know exactly how much it was from the time they entered into Canaan land till till Caleb says this. But look what happens. Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenazite, he says, Do you not remember what Moses the man of God said to me and you Joshua in Kadesh Barnea verse number 7? Forty years old was I when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Watch what it says? Nevertheless my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt but I wholly follow the Lord my God go to verse 12 watch this Moses verse 12 now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day for thou heardest in that day how the Anakins were there and that the cities were great and fenced and if so be the Lord will be with me then I shall be able to go and drive them up as the Lord had What's, what's he doing He's holding on to God's promise. And he says, you know what? If God says it, I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to act like it. Dr. Tony Evans always says this. He says a lot I like, but I really like this. He says, to walk by faith means you just act like God's telling the truth. (laughs) Caleb as an old man now, is saying, I'm ready to go in and possess what God has promised. Now, the Anakins are still there. And Caleb, much older. Because I tell you what, I don't care who's in my land. If God gave it to me, it's mine. If God promised it, I'm going to receive it. And I'm going to get it. This year, in this new beginning, let's do this. Let's get the right perspective. Listen to me, mamas and daddies. You're praying for them young ones. Grandmas and grandpas, you're praying for your grandkids. You're praying for prodigals, some of you. You're praying that God would do the work that only he can do. Let's get the right perspective. It may look real bleak to you. It may look like it can't happen to you. How many of you know there is no problem too small for God and there's no problem too big for God either? Whether you're a giant or a man, God sees the same. He's still God. Get the right perspective. Hold on to God's promise. What's God promised? What's God said in his precious word? What's God said to you? What do you know God has spoke to your spirit? Hold on to that. Hold on to that. And then have faith to act like God's telling the truth. Amen. Joshua and Caleb entered into the abundance of Canaan land. I still believe Joshua represents Jesus. Caleb can, should. Boy, I want to be like Caleb, don't you? Should represent us. Everybody stand together this morning. Whatever you need, this invitation is for you. If you need to be saved today, the same Jesus who once saved me by his grace can and will save you if you'll trust him this morning. I want to share with you what that means through the Word of God. If you're here this morning and you are a child of God, but you're struggling in the wilderness, and wondering how in the world you can ever get to Canaan land. Well, I can tell you, just like Caleb did. Just like Caleb did. Trust the Lord, follow the Lord. Be willing to walk by faith and take God at His word, knowing that He's able. Some of you here this morning who are children of God, you've gotten away from the Lord. Maybe you, hey, we all do that from time to time. I I tell you, I try my best to keep a short account with the Lord. I I rededicate every day. That's what repentance is all about. And you need to do the same thing. So if you need to just get along with the Lord this morning, right where you are in this altar, however I can help you, that's what I want to do but be submissive to the will of God the Holy Spirit today.